Comparing theatre to blockchain may seem unusual at first glance as they belong to different domains. One is arts, the other technology. One unfolds before our eyes, while the other operates in the digital realm. But let's give this analogy a chance. Think of blockchain as a decentralised digital system. Similarly, pieces of theatre once written are performed in various places with different actors and directors. An important aspect of blockchain is its immutability. Once recorded, changes are difficult. Theatre performances also become a permanent part of their history. Blockchain's transparency lies in its public ledger, just as plays are transparent to the audience's first-hand judgement. Both blockchain and theatre thrive on collaboration and agreement. In blockchain, validators check and approve transactions. In theatre, the audience validates with reactions and feedback. See, it wasn't such a wild comparison after all. In this episode, the last in this three-part series on blockchain technologies, we find ourselves in Avignon, during one of the world's most important theatre festivals. Every July, this medieval town in the south of France becomes a vibrant hub, attracting performers and audiences from all corners of the globe. Given the international atmosphere, our producer Marta was there, asking theatre audiences what they knew about... Blockchain. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. What do you know about blockchain? I know almost nothing. I think it is a chain, uh, like digital chain, which encrypts codes in the internet. I know it's something related with the cryptocurrency, but I don't know how it works. I don't think I can explain. It's uh, useful to encrypt messages, or, and I think it is related with uh, cryptocurrencies, but that's about it. Yes, there are many questions out there, especially on how blockchain actually works. So, we asked blockchain experts to provide answers. Additionally, we asked them to share their favourite analogy for explaining blockchain, in case they hadn't already come up with the one about theatre. Typically, when I'm explaining in, in courses how blockchain works, what I'm doing is I'm taking a banknote out of my wallet, five British pounds or five dollars, in a group of 
I don't know, class, 30 people. I hold it up and uh, I say, everyone here is recording what you are seeing. You are seeing somebody holding a banknote up with, with an identity number, with a serial number. And you write down that this banknote is, is exchanging hands from my hand to someone else. This is Roman Beck, a professor of information systems and a blockchain economist at the IT University of Copenhagen, as well as the head of the European Blockchain Centre. He's one of the experts you'll hear from during this episode. And uh, in, in an hour or so, I go back to you and say, so what have you written down? And if I'm saying that wasn't five British pounds, that was 10 British pounds, people can go back into their, into their ledgers, into their documentations and, and, and prove me wrong. That is, in essence, how a blockchain works. You have a network of witnesses that collectively have jotted down an event. Now, listen to another layer added to this comparison by Paolo Tusca, a digital economist serving as an advisor for central banks, companies, startups and international organizations like the United Nations. The blockchain is a, is a collective memory that cannot be destroyed. And, uh, and it cannot be manipulated, and uh, every record cannot be compromised. So everything that is uh, you know, on the chain will become our social collective memory. Please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Opening. If music be the food of love, play on. My name is Lucia, I am a Spanish. My question is, if all the process is so secret and protected, how can we assure that blockchain is not used for illegal purposes? We put this question to Roman and Paolo. Obviously, technology can be used for all kinds of purposes, and that is also the case for illegal activities. And blockchain is no difference here. What we can make sure, however, is that we have tools and instruments to track and trace illegal activities or fraudulent behavior on blockchain environments. When it comes to anti-money laundering or know-your-customer activities, there are commercial providers already in the market that help you to track and trace cryptocurrency exchanges between different wallets. A few years ago, Paolo conducted a study on tracking and tracing illegal activities and transactions involving criminals on the blockchain. And we were able to rebuild the network uh, and uh, identify some of these uh, criminal agents and players because uh, we observe uh, their behaviour over a given period of time and through some uh, pattern recognition mechanism using AI and uh, statistical methods, we were able to allocate, uh, ascribe uh, to some of these uh, anonymous uh, public address uh, the identity of the illegal entity. So it's uh, certainly a not a good technology for uh, illegal purpose because uh, uh, we can trace, uh, trace back uh, all the transactions uh, done by all the participants. Some weeks ago, the European Commission presented a proposal to introduce a digital euro. And we met someone in the streets of Avignon who wanted to find out more about it. Exposition. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning or in rain? 
I'm Jeanne from France. I would like to know how blockchains are uh, related to uh, Euro Digital. And maybe uh, since uh, blockchains are not related to any authorities, how, how then does it work? The digital euro, or what kind of central banks like to refer to as central bank digital currencies, is oftentimes not ledger-based, is not based on, on blockchain, but uh, what is called account-based. So a digital euro most likely would use cryptographic technologies also used by blockchain technology, but in contrast to blockchain and uh, specifically public blockchain, it would not be decentralized and distributed, but in the control and in the hand of the central bank. So a digital euro would most likely be issued by the European Central Bank. Digital currencies have been surging in popularity over the past few years as cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have entered the mainstream. However, unlike Bitcoin, the digital euro would be a central bank digital currency, essentially electronic cash. You could say that inflation is the price to pay for uh, citizens for saving their money, which they do not have in control. And typically cryptocurrencies are not affected by inflation because they are not kind of part of the same economic modeling and game. So in a certain way, decentralized currencies, cryptocurrencies are considered to be more stable. Paolo explains the trilemma central banks deal with when creating digital currency, how to find the right balance between making it easy to handle a large number of transactions, having control over its use and ensuring people's privacy is protected. Trust uh, basically must be earned. And uh, we do not create trust by asking for it, but we create trust by showing that we don't need it. There was uh, back in time uh, one member of the board of the ECB, the European Central Bank, that said that any attempt to reduce the privacy of payments would inevitably raise social and political and legal issues. That is true. Back to our show, theatre lovers in the streets of Avignon crave more drama. Who or what is blockchain challenging with its existence? Rising action. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? So my name is Hugo from France. What I was wondering is uh, what is blockchain competing against and what will become outdated with the advent of uh, blockchain? From a technical perspective, it's competing with a number of different types of technology. So, for example, you could view blockchain as the evolution of databases. It's a way to store digital data in a new way, in a, in a distributed fashion. This is Catherine Mulligan, a researcher, author and advisor on digital transformation, data and cryptocurrencies, as well as a professor at Instituto Superior Tecnico, University of Lisbon. I personally think that what will happen is that the traditional banking systems will start to use blockchain in a variety of different ways, rather than we see it completely replacing you know, our existing financial system. I think one area where we could see, you know, uh, blockchain replacing something is in remittances. Cross-border remittances are traditionally quite slow and traditional wire transfers can also be, you know, very, very delayed and very slow. And there's really no, not necessarily a real reason for that. Traditional remittance services could become either replaced or speeded up again by the use of blockchain. 
Catherine says other areas that could benefit from blockchain technology are supply chain management, public identification of citizens and voting systems, as blockchain can offer enhanced transparency and traceability. There's an opportunity to reduce the middleman. If you look at uh, traditional wire transfer services, they're incredibly expensive for the service they're actually providing. The next question allows us to delve back into the inner workings of blockchain. Here's the cue. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. My name is Juan and I'm Spanish. My question is, uh, what would be the use of Web3? Web3 really is the next generation internet, but for the user, nothing changes. Uh, significantly in the front end um, of the internet. Users will still be using their computers uh, or their mobile devices to access the internet. What changes uh, in the Web3 is how data is managed in the back end of the internet. This is Sherman Voschmir, the author of Token Economy, where she explains how Web3 is reinventing the internet among other blockchain technologies. The first generation internet in the 90s was about really only giving access to most people to websites somewhere else. Links were the revolution, you know, and we were very excited about it because it allowed us to access information without having to go to a library or to the post office. And around 10 years later, we had this phenomenon that we called Web2. It was a more mature internet where people um, could uh, organize themselves around platforms, uh, social media platforms knowledge platforms like uh, Wikipedia, social media platforms like Facebook. And these platforms provide us with great services, but also... The platforms are organised privately and the data is stored privately on private servers. We have no control over our data and the rules of the platforms of how we interact on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, uh, on eBay, on Amazon... It is we don't decide, even though we use and we contribute to these networks. This is where Web3 comes into play effectively. The backbone of Web3 are blockchain networks. They allow us to collectively manage the state of uh, what is happening in the network and the state of what is happening is organized around tokens. And tokens can represent so-called cryptocurrencies, and this is probably what most people know, but they can also represent uh, tokenized access rights. And these tokens can be seen as digital certificates that represent ownership, access rights, information about who you are and what you can do, such as having a driver's license or a university degree. And these digital certificates are not privately managed, but they're collectively managed by blockchain networks. As for why all this is so difficult to figure out, Sherman has a theory. Let's break the fourth wall. Maybe I can explain to the audience why they might be frustrated with understanding Web3. Because it changes the nature of how the internet works in the back end. And unfortunately, most people don't know how the internet works in the back end. Most people don't know how computers work. And the other problem is that one of the first applications of Web3 were cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance. 
and the, this is the next educational problem that we have because most people don't understand really what money is, how it works, when it is created, how it is created. Our educational system worldwide has failed us to teach us the most important things. Back to our play. Let's take a behind-the-scenes tour with our next question. I know you are all dying to know what happened next. Hello, my name's Nicholas, I'm from Avignon, and I was wondering about the long-term environmental impact of blockchain and whether everyone uses it. Sherman answers this question with another question. Why are we not talking about the environmental impact of Netflix streaming? Video on demand makes up 70 to 80% of the traffic of whole internet, global internet traffic. How do you want to compare the CO2 footprint of sending money via the traditional banking system to sending money via a Bitcoin network that is publicly maintained? Because we don't have the data about the CO2 footprint of all the banks before you ask the question of the long-term environmental impact of using blockchain networks, ask yourself for everything you do. And then we can talk about the CO2 footprint of blockchain networks. But before that, it doesn't make any sense because what are we comparing it to? When talking about the environment, blockchain is not only part of the problem, but also of the solution. For example, Sherman has created a farm project in the town of Elvas, Portugal, powered by blockchain and sensor technology. The farm has 2,500 ancient olives and Sherman is aiming to tokenize them. We want to measure soil quality, water retention, what is happening in the land around the tree and work together with environmental scientists to evaluate the amount of CO2 capture that those old trees provide to. And CO2 and hopefully in the future also the protection of biodiversity has a market. There are CO2 markets where you can sell CO2 certificates where people who want to offset their carbon footprint can invest into projects that actually maintain the carbon capture of our planet. Blockchain is intended to revolutionise three fundamental aspects of the current system. How the internet functions, how collaborative systems operate, and how finance works. But will it ever become mainstream to do so? We asked this question to the experts featured in this episode. Blockchain is going to become mainstream. It's becoming a layer on the internet. We are seeing it under development, and we see where it works and where it doesn't work. The technology is maturing most people, including the media, is still lagging to understand it. We still need to make it more user-friendly. And this will happen when, we don't know. You have always some application that comes and changes everything. And before that, such a black swan event, you don't know that it will come. But when it's here, you know that this was a black swan event. So the blockchain is, uh, is going to change uh, fundamental uh, infrastructure on how we conduct payments, achieve consensus uh, in uh, business, uh, how we mitigate liquidations, uh, how we do run uh, operations uh, reducing uh, risk. 
It will become mainstream in a very boring way that could be used for data management in some technical systems. And we would never know it's being used, but it is being used to track, to trace, and to ensure the, the trust between systems behind the scenes. Curtain call. That's it for our three-part series on blockchain technologies, but certainly not the last. Meanwhile, in the following episodes, we'll explore the world of space exploration and how the technology developed to do so impacts our lives here on Earth. I'm your host, James Thomas. This series is written and produced by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez, reporting for this episode from Avignon, France. The theme music is by Leo Lebrun. Sound editing is by Naira Devlashian and sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. Our editor-in-chief is Ali Isanaden. If you aren't already, you can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.